0: Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host, and for today's guest episode, I have on JJ, who is a transformational author who believes that every woman has a unique frequency that creates her reality. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while and hearing some of the solo episodes where I chat about mindfulness and your frequency and how you show up and all of those things, you guys can probably tell that this conversation was very aligned with a lot of my own thought processes and one thing I really enjoyed about this conversation with JJ is that she is a mom, she has lived many many more years than all of us listening here and that's something I really enjoy, I love to chat about various topics and especially just from the place of what would someone like her who's lived longer than we have, what would she share to her younger self and to other women in their 20s and 30s around career, marriage, relationships, choosing a partner, figuring out your friendships, all of that and so of course we dive into everything and more on this conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And with that being said, let's welcome JJ to the podcast.
1: Well, JJ, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm very excited to touch on all the knowledge and wisdom that you have, as I just shared earlier. But I would love if we could start with your story in your own words, because uh, something that we talked about just uh, before recording is I love when young women who listen to this podcast get a chance to hear the story and the lessons that women who have experienced just, quite frankly, a lot more life than us and and for them to reshare that. So can you kind of start with your story and your background?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'll make it really short, but I'll just kind of hit the key points. And, you know, kind of the one that really comes forward to me is I thought I could have it all and I thought I could have mm-hmm. it all at the same time. And in my mid thirties, I had said a lot of yeses, like, yes, I'll spend my life with you. Yes, we can procreate. Yes, I'll move to another town with you and so on. And when I was really immersed in all those yeses, I sort of lost myself. I lost my fuel stations. I lost my North compass. And I really didn't know how to get myself out of sort of that mud puddle that I really ended up in because I let all the things that really energize me I push those off the side to kind of really get to that success and those life metrics that so many people sort of force on you. Like, oh, you have to do this, and then you have to do this and you have to do this. And when you're doing all those things, you don't realize how many things you might be letting go of. And so in 2008, when I had two kids under three that I had, was living in Ohio and my job was in Silicon Valley and my territory and I would travel the world. And I would tell you like, I didn't know which way was up. And I started a women's group in 2008 to do very similar work that you're doing, which is like, bring the knowledge forward. Let us learn from the women that are ahead of us because Mm -hmm. there's so much for us to share so that we can all sort of elevate together.
1: I really love that you touched on perhaps saying yes too much or kind of being pulled in different directions that may have, closed other doors so to speak that may have been more important to you at the time and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on why you think that is often the case especially for women who are younger and maybe have less of a clear direction a clear idea and and I think this again goes in both career right when we're unsure of like what industry we want to be in when you're in your mid late 20s and still figuring that out as well as partners and it's funny that something that you said i think i heard you say something about um along the lines of like yes i'll move in with you or yes i'll move here with you whatever i, I remember i have one of my best friends from my childhood her mom actually later on shared with us that she regretted um moving for a partner and you know she realized and it brought her back to new york because that's where her soul kind of always belonged but i'm curious to see if you have thoughts on that because i think that is something i've observed a lot too with women when they're not maybe as clear or for whatever other reason they are not able to make decisions that would gear them towards something that is more aligned for them
2: well i think there's a lot of mixed messages for women a lot mm-hmm. in society, we start getting programmed at such an early age, just even through the mm-hmm. cartoons and the shows that we watch, that we really aren't totally valid until somebody wants us to be with them. And mm-hmm. as much as we want to deny that, it is thread through our entire culture uh, and really in many cases around the world. So I think for many women, is as independent as we strive to be, We are still (laughs) measured against these really archaic, you know, expectations. And, you know, I was, I didn't get married until I was 30 and I had an amazing career in high tech. And I remember Mm. going back to a family reunion, probably around 27. Mm. And, you know, I just traveled to Paris. I met my girlfriend in the, the Greek islands and we were having such a great time. And I couldn't wait to talk about all these things, but a lot of people in my family uh, we're like, well, when are you going to get married? And do not mm. like I, I'm and and even people had said to me at my own family reunion, I'm not surprised you're not I'm not surprised you're not married because you're too strong of a woman, and most guys don't want to be like with a woman like you. And these are people mm. who are supposed to love you. And so yeah. I feel like there's just such a stigma out there about this level of validation that comes with somebody wanting to be with you. And it's kind of bullshit. It's,
1: it's funny that you said the, the strong woman and, and, you know, man's not going to want to be with you. Cause my mother actually once told me that as well, that because of my level of, you know, sharpness and, my ability to be independent as i wish and and all of these different things and and she you know has a little bit of more traditional views especially her immigrating from vietnam but uh, it was something i heard growing up as well and i think it was for for me i was able to test that theory whether that's really true or not and i do think there's kind of like a if you figure out the sweet spot of the balance of both in in my observations i think you can you can kind of have it all so to speak where you can embody who you really are and still, you know, attract whatever and, and have whatever in that department that you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm always fascinated. Have you seen that? Did that affect you at that point in your life where you maybe changed to be a certain way? Because you wanted to be like, did that? For example, I'll, I'll rephrase that question. Did that ever did that notion ever get to your mind that that was actually true? And that you started to maybe shift from being that strong woman at for a short period of time to maybe eventually get to marriage or whatever that looked like.
2: Mm. Well, it's interesting because in my third book, Seeking, I have three chapters on your relationship with your mother and the lessons there. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that my mother came from a very abusive household and then moved in with my father who also was very controlling. So I was not someone that really aspired to get married. It looked like just didn't look like my cup of tea, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you. So it did not affect me. I didn't really care. And mm-hmm. I would say a very more similar to you. Like I was like who I was and I mm-hmm. was not going to, you know, kind of settle because mm-hmm. my watched my mom settled for so long that I just was not going to live that life. And mm-hmm. I've had many, you know, significant others before my husband that you know wanted me to not do what i was doing like hey maybe you should Mm. quit your job or maybe Mm. you shouldn't travel as much or don't you want i can take care of you and i think because of the messaging i got as a child i was really not interested in someone taking care of me and i definitely wasn't interested in being in a relationship where i couldn't be who i was because that was sent Mm. to me so loud and clear so i think messages that you get as a child really do shape you in some form you either run away from them or you lean into them. And either way is fine. It's just kind of being mm-hmm. aware of what that is.
1: I, I feel like a lot of women who listen to this podcast do a lot of them are independent in, to some degree and, and think for themselves. Right. And I think that's something I'm really curious. And this is something I certainly wish I knew a few years back. But what how did you recognize that your now husband partner how did you knew that, know that he was right for you in the sense of you you saw that he, whether it was like accepting you for who you are, maybe even appreciated and loved the traits that you had that maybe other past partners didn't have? Because I think that's something I hear through the grapevine all the time. Girlfriends of mine who are more, you know, in this direction, they're kind of like, well, I don't know how I would find a, a male partner that would love these things about me if there's kind of this push pull narrative on uh, do I be more of a traditional woman? Do I just take being taken care of? Uh, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like from, from your lens of, again, already having experienced that, maybe having seen the best in both, but, uh, on, on both
2: sides. One, I want to say, I love this because you don't really hear about this and I just love this conversation. So thank you for bringing this forward. But I would say the thing that, well, first of all, who you marry is mm-hmm. the Like one of the most important decisions you make because they are either going to help you expand who you are as a person or they're going to like almost retract. And it's just such an important decision. And I don't think that society really puts enough precedence on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's great to have a connection, a sexual or physical connection, but honestly, mm-hmm. as you, most of you know, that kind of goes away and you really need to be on the same page in regards to the commitment in regards to kind of how big you want your life to be mm-hmm. and kind of what matters most to you. And then when I met my husband, even though his, I would say, you know, his Makeup or credentials. Like I ha- I was living in Atlanta, living in- and working in San Francisco. He lived in Cleveland, Ohio. I was never going to move there. I was like, mm-hmm. it's not happening. But I felt like the more I saw him on different occasions, the conversations were amazing. You know, we travel mm-hmm. hours without listening to the radio. We just really connected. And in fact, a girlfriend of mine said, You know, I just don't see this life for you. Like, are you mm. sure you want to stay with him? And I remember saying to her, I think if I leave, I would always be searching for somebody like him.
1: Oh, wow. That's a big statement. Was it a gut feeling, like an intuitive feeling that you felt? Or was it something like, how how did you
2: know? I felt like I knew him for a long time. Like I felt like our souls had known each other previously. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like we knew each other. We had this innate knowing about each other. And mm-hmm. I would say to the women that are like, I'm never going to find my person or I just am too strong. No one's going to love me. Cause that's what somebody mm-hmm. told me is like your messaging internally is what you cultivate externally. And so if you are having those types of conversations, like none of my boyfriends love me, or even, you know, I heard Taylor Swift a clip say, she said, I'm the one before the one, right. That type mm. of messaging is not like is not helpful, first of all. And you really need Mm -hmm. to think about your energy around finding the right mate. And Mm -hmm. I think the best thing you can say, and prior to meeting my husband, I was in a really, like I thought I was gonna marry my last boyfriend before him. And it was really Mm. hard to decouple from him. But I spent nine or 10 months reading i went to retreats i went on mm-hmm. cycling trips like i really just invested in myself and i feel like mm-hmm. that prepared me for that next relationship so if you're if you're in a relationship that's wasting your time like get out first mm-hmm. of all second mm-hmm. of all if you're not in a relationship what are you doing to invest in yourself to make yourself ready for that type of deep connection like are you having Deep ex- like deep activities for yourself. Are you reading the mm-hmm. right stuff? Are you having healthy conversations? Do you take care of yourself? And are you having like these really kind of exercises? Like for me, I like to go to retreats, like women organize retreats. I feel like it really helps me just get out of my schedule and really remember what I'm doing on this planet. And I think the more I do that, not only the better relationship I have with my husband now, but it prepared me for that relationship. When it appeared,
1: and I kind of want to circle back really quick on you know, you know, you mentioned that your friend at the time she made a comment saying, you know, I'm not sure, and and you know how us girls are, we tend to bounce comments off of each other, feedback loops, right? And sometimes we can often be like, yeah, maybe like this friend is right. And so I'm curious, how did you know? And again, I'm sure this was a long time ago, but how did you know that while maybe there was some, I don't know, validity in in her objective or outside perspective, how did you know that it was, it it, it was, it was just something like a feeling that you couldn't get past in terms of, I I know this, you know what I'm saying? Because I think a lot of our friends often are, are kind of looking at it from like a resume, I don't know, paper perspective, right? And, and when we're sitting though, in the position or experiencing it, we see things a lot differently. And so it's almost kind of the question of how did you balance both like understanding that side and then also knowing which way to lean when it came to like your final decision
2: yeah and it's interesting because I had many girlfriends say you know I left Atlanta this really beautiful life and you know beautiful people and all the stuff and my friends are like you know he just isn't really what we thought you would end up with and you know they said mm. various things and I was questioning it I was uh back at that time but it's just something. I just knew in my heart of hearts, there was some kind of connection with him that I had not had. And I, when I was with him, I was 29. So I had been dating a Mm -hmm. long time and I was not the kind of person that stayed with someone for three years. I was like nine months, like, is this working? Is this not? Um, And so when I got to him, like I had a lot of experience dating at that point.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: and with that, you kind of were able to gauge it from like, just like an intuitive intuition perspective.
2: Yes. And you might not remember, but there used to be a talk show host, Laura, Laura Schlesinger.
1: And mm. I remember
2: listening to her back in the eighties and she said, you know, women should really not make like life decisions around marriage until they're 28, because that's when they like really look kind of lean into who they are. And, mm. uh, I just always remembered that.
1: Okay. I, I've, it's funny too, cause I've always leaned, I'm 26 and I've always leaned towards, uh, dating or I'm, I'm sorry, like rather like, I guess, the idea of truly being in something long-term such as marriage I've always had it in my mind from a really young age I wanted it to kind of be towards you know late 20s even early 30s even And I never I, for me that narrative of it's got to be in this timeline has never occurred to me and I'm glad that we talk about that and that you shared how old you were when you were experiencing this because again a lot of girls that listen are younger in their 20s and they, they get, they see all this on social media all the time. Like you should be doing this by this age, or you should be considering this when you're getting towards this age. Right. And I personally have never been a proponent of that, but I think it's awesome when other women have experienced that already can also add feedback to that.
2: Yeah. And I've been telling my daughter, she's 17. Mm -hmm. I've been telling her like dating is more about you than about the other person. Mm Dating is very much about you determining what you want to live with, what you want to manage, what you want to handle, Mm -hmm. what you will put up with. And I Mm -hmm. think like the more people you date, honestly, the more clarity you get in really kind of what is aligned to who you are and where you want to take your life.
1: I feel like that also relates to raising your energy. It's something that I saw that you talk about. It's also part of your book. And I want to know what does that look like to you? Right. And, and how did you tap into this? Because this is also once again, something I learned uh, probably in the recent two years or so, I think it was understanding what frequency I was showing up at and also how to attract similar frequencies into my life. And just one of those things where when you are genuinely, I think attuned to that. You also can really feel that from other people when they are also in the same frequency as you. But I'm really curious just to hear from your perspective, like what what does that look like to you? Hmm.
2: It's something that I didn't know early on. I would say, like to kind of keep the story going. So I ended up staying with my husband. I ended up staying in Ohio, but months after I agreed to move there, I realized like I love living in a city. I love my Hmm. job in high tech. I loved my nightlife. I loved my girlfriends, all of which I walked away from to move to Ohio. And I wouldn't say I would suggest that for everybody, but it's funny looking back now, I'm 50 now, so... It's like the universe or if you call God or whatever you call your higher being Mm -hmm. kind of put me here to do really specific work that I didn't know when I got here, but I let all the fuel stations or things that energize me go. And I ended up getting really depressed, not because I thought I married the wrong person, but because I had said yes to so many things that And I didn't have like, I didn't fill up myself. I didn't like, I see you Mm. talk about solo trips. I love solo trips, but I just didn't fill my bucket back up with things I loved. I moved into a Mm. really big Italian family with him and all these things, which I talk about in all my books of like, how do you get your energy back? But the idea is, is that you really have to manage your energy.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
2: you know, most of you don't listen to the radio anymore, but the idea (laughs) is, is like frequency is like. FM radio, whether you're listening to 94.1 or 96.7 or 102.7, FM radio stands for frequency modulation. So, what frequency do you want to be at? And what do you have to do to keep yourself at that energy?
1: So, when you moved to Ohio and you felt kind of, you know, maybe a shift in that frequency, what did you specifically, what were some of the things that you started to work towards in bringing, getting back to that? Right. Because I, I would say a lot of women, might describe that feeling as just something feels off maybe they don't feel like themselves or maybe they feel like and and i actually had this moment too probably around may or june so not too long ago and it's actually originally what somewhat brought me to medellin but it was one of those feelings of i needed to kind of refocus on some of the things that brought me made made me feel my best and i was able to articulate that down in notes you know i remember playing tennis has been a big part of my life. I was a former player. And I just think it was writing down those things that Emily has always loved to do and finding ways to incorporate that into my regular life. And that I I instantly saw a change in my, my vibration, the way I felt around people, the way I felt about myself. But I'm curious, what was that like for you, especially when you're like moving? Because I can't imagine... Uh, moving from New York, because I love New York, but I'm sure I might be, you know, dealt a card one day where I have to choose between something like that. And it's, I can imagine I would feel a little bit off-centered in a way, off-equilibrium when in kind of in a scenario like you described. So how did you overcome that?
2: Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's so great. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. And the way I summarize it is I was lost in my choices. I just was Mm -hmm. lost in my choices. And I had to do the same thing. I had to like go through my schedule and see what things I enjoyed doing and what things depleted me. So it was literally a plus minus. And oftentimes when we're lost in our choices, we have more minuses in our schedule than we have pluses. And a lot of women experience this because they're trying to be helpful. They they do more than they should. They might feel Mm -hmm. guilty. So they say yes to things they don't want to do. And if you create a schedule where you have more minuses than pluses, you're going to be lost in your choices and your energy is going to reflect that. And mm-hmm. so if you want to have a higher frequency or higher energy, you have to be very mindful of how you spend your time because time is your biggest asset. And if you give mm-hmm. it away so freely without really thinking, is this a plus or is this a minus? Do I really want to do this or is it just something I feel like I should do? Uh it, you can end up there so quickly
1: how did you reconcile that with with a physical move like a change in physical environment I feel like that one I can't even figure out how I would do that besides go back to new york in in, in my scenario right like how were you yeah. able to adjust with that kind of big change right where it's yes. like that that part that element can't in in that scenario can't
2: be actually changed or can't be removed or Added from, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. yeah. So luckily I traveled a hundred percent of the time for my job. So I really okay. wasn't thinking of it as big of a move as it really ended up being because as soon as I moved there, um, my company was bought by Yahoo and I was out of a tech job. And so then mm. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? So I feel like I didn't really process what I was saying yes to when it happened. And then it wasn't mm-hmm. until six months afterwards that I was like, what the heck did I do? Like I can't Mm -hmm. live with this. And now I'm already like, maybe it was a little bit longer because I feel like I was soon married after that. And that's when I really kind of hit rock bottom. But it really forced me to figure out more of who I was. So it was a lesson for me to really prioritize what was important to me. And so I did Mm -hmm. find things in my schedule. You know, I started going to women's events. I started getting, you know, getting involved in things that I liked, like the arts and some of the things Mm -hmm. around town. I got, uh, I took a leadership course and I was inducted to this leadership academy that they had in the city. I wrote this essay and then I was around Mm -hmm. all these emerging leaders. So I did things to help me figure out how to create my new life there. Uh, But Mm. it took a while. I mean, it really did. It was not overnight. And it really was the basis, like I said, for my first book, which I was never even planning to write a book. But Mm -hmm. I felt like I got so many nuggets from the women ahead of me. And I really just started jotting the stories down for my daughter, which at the time was just a couple of years old. I didn't want her to have to kind of live to these standards of having it all when Mm -hmm. you can have it all, but it's just hard to do all at the same time. And so how do you maneuver the professional landscape and the personal landscape without Mm. losing yourself in your choices?
1: That's a great question I wanted to touch on is for you, as as a high performer, as someone that and loves her career and once worked in tech, you know how did you, how did you mindfully fight, create time for your partner and for what you loved in your career at the time, and then of course as you had children and you know for your for your girlfriend time too. Like I think that is the part where some people start to go crazy because, especially for example, if you have a job that requires eight to 10 hours of your day. And then how do you have energy left for a partner at that point? Sometimes girls are picking between their partner and girlfriend time, or maybe just simply not knowing how to process that in their mind of, okay, how am I going to allocate my week, right? How many days or time am I going to spend with my partner? How, How much time am I going to spend catching up with my girlfriends? And I think that's where a lot of people then actually find the the solution in hindsight rather than in the moment. And so I'm really curious if you have some thoughts on that considering you, you know, you quite frankly had it all, <laughs> but maybe at different times yeah. too,
2: right? Well, I would say that, you know, every day was different and some things each day got more priority than others. I mean, I had a really intense job and yeah. I feel like there were weeks where I was buckled down doing that. And then there were weeks where my kids took priority and you know, I think with my relationship, the one thing I would say in regards to relationship and I am no relationship expert, my husband and I still go through ups and downs, like all the rest of us, but we did prioritize date night every two weeks. Like that was non-negotiable. And I think that was more me because if you know your five love languages, mine is quality time. So we, that was every two weeks. And then we started walking at an early age. So we just walked, you know, Almost every night, even if it was just a mile, and we still do that today, I would say five days a week, we walk at least a mile, probably two. And that's kind of where we sort a lot of stuff out. We used to take our kids with us when they were young, but they're almost, you know, they're both high schoolers now. So they're not as Mm -hmm. neat, like not, not as interested But I would say that you have to prioritize the things that are important to you. And if it's your kids and your significant other, you know, you need to find the time to do that. Because as Mm. Lynn Twist, you know, Lynn Twist is one of my favorite authors. She talks a lot about the soul of money. Uh, She says that your checkbook will tell you what you prioritize.
1: Mm, Like where you spend your money. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that big time. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious too, you mentioned around life is happening for you. And this is actually something my father taught me from a young age when I used to complain a lot or maybe something was going on in my life and something similar he said, and it was a quote that he was quoting, but something along the lines of 10% of what happens to you and like 90% of how you react to it, basically. Something, Something like that. And I feel like that's kind of the essence of what I think of when I hear life is happening for you in the sense that, um, you know, you, in, instead of always nitpicking, like, oh, this is a problem. Here's another problem in my life. Here's why this is happening to me. Why are these things happening to me? Why this time? Right. I remember I, I went through a lot in my early twenties in college. And so that was something that I had a mindset shift on in understanding that these things are just kind of part of life. And, and there are ways for me to utilize it to the best of my advantage, um, but I'm curious, how did you kind of apply this thinking like life is happening for me? This is not against me. This is not a negative thing. I don't have to, you know, create a bigger problem out of it than than is necessary. And that's something I've quite frankly observed in a lot of girlfriends of mine as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know how you utilized that phrase.
2: Well, I would say it's really just over the last 10 years. So once I left my corporate job and really pursued, you know, being an author and a speaker, for women in business, you know, I Mm -hmm. had to, when I left my salary, my title, my company, all the things that defined who I thought I was, Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of left once again thinking like, okay, what, like, I don't, do I know who I am? I don't know. Who am I? Like, and I kept Mm -hmm. finding myself talking about my past career because I validated myself through it. So when I stripped myself of all the things that really determined who I was for years, Uh, that I was so proud of, and I was sitting by myself, I was left pretty empty and feeling pretty alone. And that was just like a decade ago, like around my 40th birthday, that I started really doing some serious soul searching, because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't imagine that I had done all of this stuff. And like, that was kind of it. And now I'm just going to be just doing this other stuff. And I chose to stay home and write books and work with, you know, do more speaking because I felt like I really wasn't someone who was like crazy about like, I'm going to have all these kids and this, I didn't even know if I wanted kids. I didn't even know if I'd be a good mother, like all of those things mm. went through my head. But then once my kids got a little bit older and started asking key questions, like I wanted to be there to answer questions and do things. I said, if I, if I had kids, like I want to be more involved. And when you have a mm. high tech career and you're in executive positions, your life is your career. And so shifting my career to do more meaningful work and be able to be with my kids a little bit more was important Mm -hmm. to me. But once again, I was kind of back at the well being like, okay, who am I? And Mm -hmm. once again, I went through like a cycle of unknowing and probably a little depression again. And that's Mm -hmm. when I started soul searching and reading books and articles and going to workshops. And through that process, I've learned some key I would say life lessons that I've included in my third book, Seeking, because Mm -hmm. I feel like I am a seeker and I wanted to make it easier for women that were going through these transitions because they're hard.
1: They are hard. Mm -hmm. How did you, and I don't know if this was ever maybe mentioned to you similar to that statement around, oh, you know, strong women have a harder time with dating or, or whatever, where I feel like I also have heard the narrative, something along the lines of women who are career focused um, you know, don't create enough time to be mothers or are you know, capable of stepping into like that kind of role. And of course, that's obviously not my territory. I've never experienced that firsthand, but I'm really curious to know, it seems like you were really mindful in that process of I wanna be more present with my kids and, and be able to teach them certain things and then be there more actively. How did you find the sweet spot in balancing and like still maintaining what you enjoy doing, right? Because I can imagine that's also something that crosses a lot of women's minds as you know, especially if they are in high performance careers where it takes a lot of time and energy.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I would say that, again, it's been a balancing act and things are shifting. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. the one thing on the pandemic is like the flexibility in work schedules is so much nicer. So I am seeing some shifts. Now there are some drawbacks, right? Because now women are not more in the office all the time. So they don't maybe not have as many sponsors or not getting promoted as much as they would have if they were in the office five days a week. But Mm -hmm. some of them have... A little bit more flexibility. So it's a give and take for mm-hmm. sure. I would say that your children pick you. One of my, you know, a spiritual lesson is your children pick you. So mm. whatever your life is, your kids have picked you. So you just have to remember that you're on this journey together, and kids are here really often to remind us of the joy the laughter and the connection to something bigger and you know mm-hmm. if you uh, decide to go down that path which I don't think it's for everybody and I don't think mm-hmm. you miss out if you don't do it I just think it's kind of a choice then mm-hmm. you know hopefully you create the time to learn from your kids because I feel like some of the greatest gifts I've gotten being a mother is that my kids have been one of my biggest teachers
1: what's something that you wish you knew as you were in your early mid thirties and, and, you know, entering that stage of having kids. Cause I know earlier you alluded to the fact that you at the time weren't sure if you actually wanted kids, right. You know, what, what's something that you wish you knew back then
2: that you Mm -hmm. of course know now. I wish I would have relaxed more. I wish I would have just been a little bit more relaxed because I was so driven And such an A++ player, like A++ personality, like I was so anal at times. And looking back now, I I think I could have done, you know, I was always trying to be at like 110%, 120%. Like, I think I would have been fine at 80%. Like, I think I worked way too much. I think I, you know, I, I took that extra trip or I stayed those extra hours and I could have gone home and had a girl's night. Like, I feel like I would have been a little bit more relaxed in my journey because i think i would have enjoyed it more.
1: Okay, and that's definitely pertaining to kind of yeah, like like your your high performing job, right? And and kind of working a lot of hours there.
2: Yeah, and i put a ton of pressure on myself because yeah. whether we like to admit it or not, you know, mm-hmm. working is a very masculine energy and most of us yeah. check our feminine knowing at the door. And so we're basically going into these jobs using half of our toolkit, yet we're expected to deliver at 120% and I feel like even though I had a computer science degree, a computer information systems degree, even though mm-hmm. I used to teach LAN WAN design, I mean, I was in highly technical. I questioned myself constantly. And the tagline to my third book is sidestepping your self-doubt, right? Aligning mm-hmm. your energy, right? Aligning with your or raising your energy and aligning with your life's work. Because these are the three obstacles that I struggle with most of my life, right? Is self-doubt paying attention to my energy and understanding that your life work is really the whole journey. It's not a point in time, it's not a title and that our work here on earth is really starts from the inside. So you can strive for those titles and you can get those accolades but until you work Mm -hmm. from the inside out, you too will struggle with feeling validated, finding your joy and really just being part of this experience at the fullest level.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned from the inside out and I know we talked about it a bit earlier too which is that life is a reflection of what's going on inside and and i've I've always seen that I think come out firsthand for me when however I'm feeling internally other people can feel that energy no matter how great I think i'm I'm holding it in there's just people can feel that and I think that's something a lot of people are becoming more attuned to today but how have you seen that on a grander scale in terms of in your life and maybe through observing other women that kind of struggled with that and needed to kind of resolve and look within first and tap into that frequency, that energy, their own personal growth um, what 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 did you see from your own own experience?
2: I would say that most women have a situation that happens. so women don't just mm-hmm. say gonna be soul seeking. Usually mm. they go, you know, their parents pass away, they lose a loved one, you know, maybe they go through a divorce, maybe yeah. something major often happens, which mm-hmm. if you do any tarot, it'd be like the tower card in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I would say that's the same with me is like, you kind of hit a point of no return where you can't go back to where you were, but you can't move forward based on where you are. And I think you have to like really start to seek within. And that's really kind of the work that I'm doing now is because I've spent the last 15 years working with women in business, really high performers uh, on a one to many basis. And I've been helping them maneuver the professional landscape for a while. But the reality is, regardless of what title you acquire or what person you marry or what zip code you live in, that does Mm -hmm. not guarantee any level of joy or happiness. What
1: are common self-doubts? you think that women in particular, yeah. in, in, in the workplace and, and in their personal life and how it kind of is almost like a domino effect in, in all areas of their life. Like, What have you seen a lot? Because I know
2: you talk about this a lot too. I do. And the book is really like a tool to help you dive into your self-doubts, which could have started decades ago. It could have been something you heard when you were two or seven or 10 or 12. We carry the stories with us. And those stories Mm -hmm. often define how we make decisions. So, you know, uh, I've had stories with me like, oh, you're not, you're never going to be the smart one, or you're really not going to get that award or you, you know, who do you think you are? Who's going to come? Or what if nobody shows up? You're going to be so embarrassed. I mean, The self-doubts go on and on and on. I have pages of examples on different chapters of things of women that had to push through or things that held them back. And I think for me, like every step of my journey has led me to this point and all of them are full of lessons, but many of them took me a long time to move through because I had so much self-doubt.
1: I have a few final questions. One of them being, and this is going to be a great one for you, is three pieces of advice you wish you could have told your younger self in your 20s and 30s. And maybe it's something you'll tell your daughter as well or just anything that you Mm. wish you knew in those two decades of life that um, are, you know, a a lot of times I see it in my girlfriends. We're all kind of struggling in our own ways.
2: Well, the first advice is I often tell her is that what people say to you is a reflection of how they feel inside. Mm-hmm. So you they're just sharing their energy to you. You do not have to accept it. You can just let it flow. Like you do not have to take anyone else's energy. You can just let it flow away from you. So I think that's mm-hmm. the first thing I tell her. The second thing I tell her, again, which we stated before, is like dating is to learn more about you than the other person Mm -hmm. and kind of how you want to show up in the world, what you want to connect with. Uh, And the third is what you're attracting is kind of how you're taking care of yourself. So if you're not attracting the right relationships, whether they're female or male or girlfriends or bosses or coworkers, the first place to start is with yourself.
1: Wow. I love that. And I'll definitely actually write that kind of in a bullet note for our followers on Instagram. Um any book recommendations that you have that maybe had a big you know impact for you when when you were going through your own transformations?
2: I have so many, like anybody who's interested, they can follow me on Goodread. I have 150 books up there (laughs) and I would, i only put the ones up that I would recommend. So if you want to follow Mm -hmm. me on JJD Jerome on Goodread, that's the easiest. I think what I mentioned already for me, my money stories were a big deal of my transformation because I grew up with no money and then I made a lot of money and then I lost a lot of money in tech and like that money spectrum is really Mm -hmm. um, often a trigger for a lot of women. So Lynn Twist's Soul of Money is one of my favorites. Um, I also love Rebecca Campbell, Rise, Sister, Rise, which talks about the rise of the feminine energy. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to see her in Omega in a couple of weeks here. Uh, and then, you know, so I love, you know, um, I love even like the universe has your back. I love that book and some old time books I love too. So, um, Think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So, I'm an avid listener. So I like my phone is my tool. Like it's my university. I'm constantly listening to books, listening to podcasts, and I make sure I really monitor who I talk to and how long I talk to them. Because if it's somebody that drains me all the time, it takes me a long time to get my frequency back up. So, Mm -hmm. and and as you shift your frequency, people are going to fade away. So you just have to like recognize that that's just part of the process.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Well, one last question. And it's something that I ask every guest on the show. But in reflection of all the experiences you've had in your life, what would you say ultimately
2: fulfills
1: you in life?
2: Hmm. I would say having gratitude. So the more I practice gratitude, the more fulfilled I feel. So whether it's just like, Hey, I love clean sheets on my bed or wasn't this coffee delicious. Or can you believe I found a feather when I I found five feathers when I was walking this morning, like for me, that like living in gratitude and love and realizing life is happening for me fills me up. I think when I start going down the path of like worry, anxiety, fear, disgust, aggravation. Like I quickly snap out of that, like kind of gooey, loving, like energy field. And so mm-hmm. I have to be really present to get myself back in there as soon as possible, because if I let it go too long and then it takes a long time to shift back. So I would say that. And I think finding things that keep you energized, like I work out because I, it makes me feel good feeling the muscles in my body. So I don't work out Mm -hmm. because I'm conscious of weight or I work out because I want to feel myself from the inside. And so I listen to sound bowls and do drumming and I surround Mm -hmm. myself around people that are experiencing life the way I want to experience it, which is like being part of the universe, using your natural gifts and exploring the world. And it took me a long time to realize and give myself permission to do that. And I wish I would have really kind of started that sooner.
1: Oh, that is so awesome. JJ, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your thoughts and feedback today. I'm sure the ladies listening have learned a lot. Where can they find you? Share your social media, if you have any, your website and where they
2: can find your books. Yeah, so I'm under JJ Geronimo. It took me a long time to do that because I didn't like Mm -hmm. want to step into my power. So you can find me on most platforms under JJ Geronimo. And on Amazon, I'm obviously JJ DeGeronimo. But if you're really interested in kind of seeking yourself, you can look up seeking the number 74 in JJ, and you will find my latest book and check out the reviews. It's been transformational for me and the women mm-hmm. reading it. And I feel like it really helps us sidestep that self-doubt and raise our frequency, which once you do those two things, it's it's mm-hmm. really magical.
1: Amazing, JJ. Well, thank you so much. I will link all of that in the show notes. And
2: thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much, Emily. And thanks for the work you're doing. It's so awesome that you're bringing these people together for women to learn from each other. And I'm sure you're Mm -hmm. already feeling that in so many ways. So thank you.
0: And that was all for today's episode with JJ. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and had some takeaways. I certainly had my own. And I actually loved writing down the three things that she would tell her younger self. I actually wrote that down for myself as well and definitely resonated with all three and i think um if you guys found any of this helpful i hope you guys save some of this in your own notes and for more recaps and her book recommendations you can find all of that on the podcast instagram at what fulfills you so be sure you are following over there again everything is linked in the show notes and if you are curious to find all of the podcast merch including the best-selling card game you can find all of that at what you.com there is a special promo for podcast listeners in the show notes Thanks again for tuning in today, I will chat with you all in the next one!